Welcome to the Trinity Radio Podcast. This podcast has a video component found at youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter. This means you might miss some visual aspects of the show, but it shouldn't have a serious negative effect. We'd love it if you'd run over to the YouTube channel real quick and subscribe. And if you enjoy this content, do us a favor. Take a moment to give us a five-star review on iTunes and mention a couple of things you like about the podcast. If you really appreciate the show, you can help make it better and get extra content for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash trinity radio. Enjoy the show. Greetings and welcome to Trinity Radio. We're going to be encouraging today, as you heard me uh, talk over the introduction. I'm the encouraging one, Jonathan Pritchett, and along with me is... Braxton Hunter. The ever grumpy, snarky, mean-spirited main host of Trinity Radio, and then me, the lovable Pritchett. Yes, that's... Those are words. That's true. Um, so here we are. <laughs> Those are definitely and, words. And I want to say that uh, you're probably noticing terrible uh, camera quality on this camera, and that is because we ran into a bit of technical difficulty right before the stream, yep. and the camera that we typically use is not um, available. What's up, Jose Martinez? And so we have to. You have to deal with this, but we know something that other people don't necessarily realize other people with absolutely awesome looking shows like my friend Cameron Bertuzzi. And that is that um, theology geeks, for the most part, just want the content, man. They don't care about all this uh, fancy dancy stuff. But if you're new to the channel, this is not what it typically looks like, but it'll work for today. But you know what? When the cameras, it's you're talking about that that one right there, right? The, the big one, that's the one that's yes. not working. Yeah, that doesn't work on the day that we're not fixing the set that's falling to pieces like the millennium falcon so. <laughs> it's it's the millennium falcon this is the millennium falcon right. of theology and apologetic shows morgan right. border says my kid is dancing to the intro music you know what we're dancing in here to the intro music that's too. what it's made for that's right um, we've always been a cut above every youtube channel when it comes whether it's honey or this or even that old yes. rock song from way back in the day that your friend's band produced. That even has the samples of you in the background, right? Yes. Preaching the Hellfire right. Brisa. All Our music has always been unimpeachable. Um, uh, Scott Heath, thank you so much for that super chat. Preacher yeah. man in the house. God bless you guys. So, uh, and Crispy, crispy Tripod. <laughs> <laughs> thank, I like that name. Thank you for finally showing up in the in the chat. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, Church Split is here, and Zom is here talking about something I don't understand. Because you don't watch Leighton Flowers Soteriology 101 or anyone else on YouTube other than yourself. I do I so watch all of our, when I'm on Actually, you show. watch way more YouTube than yeah when you're on, when I'm on there. No, Leighton Flowers was talking about how masterful we are. Uh, you and I and Eric Hernandez and Mrs. Uh, some of us being masterful at engaging with atheists and very cordial. And I was offended that he lumped me and I'm offended on Eric's behalf for being lumped in, not on the masterful bit, but on the cordial bit. Come on. We're, Eric and I have tried really hard to not be so cordial. What a piece of junk. That's right. <laughs> All right. Good. So, um, uh, yeah. So, so here we go. Let's, let's get into this. So Dr. Jonathan Pritchett was actually the one who came up with the idea for this week's show. And you'll notice. 
you will notice that the I, this is like the second time in five years I've done a, I, like two minutes worth of show prep. Yeah, but I want you all to notice that actually what the thumbnail said was because some people say, well, that's a really depressing thing to put up there. Well, is it? What did we exactly say? If I can find it, I we actually said, dun dun dun. dun atheists seem seem to be winning yeah if you listen to them and if all you do is your world is apologetics youtube atheist youtube and the back and forth and the rhetoric and you live in this that's not the real world okay what's up nathaniel jordan glad you're here hey, hey. but if you live in the real world and you know how to filter the YouTube world uh, through the lens of reality, you realize that there's uh, uh, quite a bit of overstatement because in the world of YouTube and, and when you, you hear about atheists talking about all the people that have deconverted because of their shows and you, you, you listen to even Christian uh, social media outlets, um, they will talk about, Oh, there's the, the deconstruction is the big, buzzword people pa are pause for a minute and then i'm going to put the okay. pritchett cam on you and yeah. you can you can take it away before we do that i want to say to the lost fountain you 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 are one of our favorite people now thank you so much the lost fountain yeah. because the lost fountain just uh just donated a hundred dollars thank wow. you so much and they say i have i'm assuming that's them in the picture which is awesome i'd never have the guts to do that i've been trying to figure out a way you to donate like to your ministry one? with with just one-time donations i do not like recurring duck withdrawals from my account so i understand that completely and thank you so so much for this i so appreciate it now yeah. for anyone in the future who wants to give a one-time donation there is a way to do that and that is just to sign up on patreon get, get at patreon.com slash training radio give whatever you want to give and then after that's withdrawn from your account just just cancel the account that's how a lot of people do it um or there's a way to do it strictly through uh paypal or if you want to message us say what's your paypal How yeah that that'll work too but thank you so so much the lost fountain we are absolutely blown away by yeah, this thank absolutely. you I, I just i want to cry yeah. um all right so pritchett uh w continue i forgot where i was I was talking about if you listen to the internet YouTube world between atheists and Christians, you, you, you've got the atheists singing the praises of deconversions. You have Christian social media ablaze with the next guy or gal that's done a deconstruction of their faith. And actually, Braxton Hunter and I just got back from a three-day whirlwind trip to Sarasota, Florida, uh, to sit on our friend uh, Chip Bennett. He's got Grace Community Church, not the John MacArthur, the good one. Uh, Grace Community Church, one in Sarasota, Florida. Um, wonderful church, wonderful man. Um, probably the best podcast set I've ever seen in my entire life. And we were talking about these kinds of things. And we were answering questions with respect to the religious nuns and the rise of the nuns and all of that. Uh, N-O-N-E-S, uh, the nuns and duns. And... You know, you can get the impression when you have these kinds of conversations that, you know, atheists are taking the credit for all of this and that they're winning. Interestingly enough, when you look at the Pew Research on all of this stuff, what do you find? Well, 70% of people in the United States identify as Christian. 
So that's most people, right? Now, whether or not they're saved, that's that's a different thing. I don't, I'm not interested in that. I'm just saying what they identify as. So even if we don't consider them all what in Southern Baptist lingo, truly born again, saved or whatever, they still think they are because they're calling themselves Christians, right? Um, and about, I think less than three, I would probably say it's more, uh, but they say less than 3% belong to some sort of cult or something, you know. Uh, what we identify as cults, like Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness or something else. Um, it may be more than that, may not be. Um, but they're they're putting that around 3%. So largely still Christian. But you get down to this nun category, right? Which account these people who are atheist, agnostic, nothing in particular. They identify as we're done with religion or, or formal religion or whatever. And what do you find among this 22%? Before you tell us, Pritchett, mm-hmm. that's a good teaser because I just have to uh, do this. Um, logical, plausible, probable. Did you know that I was listening to your show? Yeah, and we were telling, talking about and it. And telling Pritchett all about it just yesterday? Yeah, just yesterday on the airplane. On the airplane. Yeah. I was listening to your show as I was sailing through the air from Sarasota to Atlanta. And uh, first of all, thank you for your super chat. Venmo just rolled out business profiles only take 1.9% plus a 10 cents. You might want to look into that. Takes like five minutes to set up. uh, Yes, we are actually. Okay, so I've just started a an LLC and uh, stuff like that for for this sort of thing. But PayPal's got a a comparable thing. Which puts me on Braxton um, Hunter's payroll in two different ways. (laughs) But. Um, well, that's Trinity's payroll. Well, but, well, but Trinity is Breck. No, actually, it's not at all. But but but, but listen, uh, logical, plausible, probable. You are obviously a bit more aggressive than I am, and uh, and and uh, that sort of thing. But God uses people differently, and I'll tell you what, He made a really good point, which is that Pine Creek um, had done a stream like I don't know a year ago on the meeting that I was invited to but didn't go to of the Apologetics Empire in North Carolina. And the question was asked, what's your favorite argument for God? And so everybody gave their favorite argument for God. And then uh, Pine Creek said, notice what he made a shorter clip for this year that that just played that. And then he said, notice nobody said the resurrection of Jesus. Clearly, as logical, plausible, probable said and, ma- and made the point, clearly giving the impression that we don't have confidence in the resurrection case or as much confidence as we do in theistic arguments. However, what was said in the stream at some point that is absolutely true, said in his logical st- stream, that's absolutely true is the reason we do that is because for classical apologists like me, like Craig, people that are two-step apologists in this sense, they first show that the God, that a God that is consistent with the Christian God exists, and then put a name tag on that God by arguing for the resurrection. And the reason for that is it's it's a lot easier to convince someone that God raised Jesus from the dead if you have first shown that a God exists to raise Jesus from the dead. And so uh, I, I just thought that was an enjoyable show. I'd never caught your show before, and I didn't watch the whole thing, but I did watch much of it. And um, and uh, yeah, so appreciate you, and thank you for the super chat. All right, Pritchett, continue. Yes, so out of the nuns, which is only 22.8%, I think they have it. You know how many explicitly identify themselves as atheists? 3.1%. 
3.1%. So in other words, they may be leaving the church, but that yeah. doesn't mean they're atheists. Agnostics even scored higher, at least in this. They At least the, the people who are the wishy-washy fence-sitter people that uh, Christopher Hitchens used to mock, they uh, identify, you know, 4%. Okay, the nothings in particular that's kind of the basket of everyone else that they put in, uh, channeling my inner Hillary there. Um, yeah, nothing religious, religion... Nothing in particular religion is important, only 6.9%. Nothing in particular religion not important, 8.8%. Don't knows or 0.6%. So to break it down a little bit further, though, um, about 61% of these nuns uh, will, will still, out of, out of this subcategory now, right? We're not talking about out of this subcategory, um, are somewhere along the I don't know or I don't believe um, in a God and the rest of them are on a scale of how much they're absolutely certain, sort of certain, you know, yeah, casual certainty, you know, not very certain, but still believe. So even 60% there, um, out of all that bunch, which is a small group, um, are, are still on the side of theism. So we may be losing, um, but atheism is certainly not winning. So there's some encouraging news. And so when you listen to the rhetoric, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure that if you go in here and you slice the data a whole bunch of different ways, you can see trends and nobody's saying uh, otherwise. But I don't think that atheism is actually winning the day. And I don't think that uh, all of these religious nuns are flocking to atheism or agnosticism because still as of right now, they're not. They're just kind of nothing in particulars. That's the, the bulk of them. Yeah. So so are you so so what's the if we had to give a headline for what you just said? Atheists, you're not winning. Yeah. Seem to be. If you live in the YouTube bubble. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It seems like if that's all you hear, and if you read Christianity Today, but you know there was the the Gallup information that came out a few years ago was quite humorous because there were you would find that people who identified as atheists they believe in heaven they believe in God they believe in all kinds of things even though they identified as an atheist so you have to account for the <laughs> thank you Jesus thank you Jesus yes so Braxton what are your thoughts about in this increase of nuns where do you think that they're all going. Uh, they're, they're either just going nowhere. I mean, right. honestly, you've looked into the stats on this yep. recently. I have, but not recently, but it was just, I mean, it seems to me that they're going nowhere or they could actually be involved in some sort of spiritual practice, even Christian practice, just not in a, isn't that how it shook out? Well, is that no, possible? I mean, in, in, in this most recent Pew stuff, the, the attendance is way down across the board for everybody in every category. Right. So mm -hmm. there's less and less participation in, you know, I mean, it's how like much does COVID play into ever. this? Well, that's an interesting question that people are talking about. How much does COVID play into that? But I mean, whatever, whatever it plays into, it certainly had an impact. Sure. I mean, look, uh, the, the church took a big hit. All religious affiliations that meet regularly right. took a big hit this past year because of COVID. Obviously, and you can't even really say. Well, you, I think you, your your poll did the poll did specify right. Like they would, what would they say about people that attend uh, an online service? Oh, you are talking about the those who engage on that's down to 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, but we would expect because of COVID this sort of thing. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know the details of the poll. So I'm because you're the one who set up for this one. But, yeah. But, but yeah. But what I find this this idea of the nuns being on the rise that that doesn't seem to favor atheism. It may in the future. It's not right now. And I'm thinking that this sort of nuns is a weird way to say indifferentists is what I would call it. They're just kind of indifferent to all this. Yeah, I believe in... Because what you're going to hear more than I lack a belief in a god or gods from the bulk of these 20% people is I believe... What you're likely to hear is, I believe in a God of some kind. I mean, me and God, we have our own thing going on and whatever. So it's kind of worldview vacuous. So I'll give the atheists this. At least they have a consistent uh, way of articulating something that, that, that you can engage with. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of these nuns, and just from also an anecdotal experience, in addition to the way they answer these questions, what I bet you get is just kind of a relativistic soup that yeah so uber scheiser says church membership down from 70 percent to 47 percent in the last 20 years ain't due to youtube source christianity today Mm -hmm. well do you really think that i think that youtube is the reason that church to i think that is giving far too much credit to youtube atheism okay something like that i I don't think that's what's going even no even i would say it's still far too much credit to the to the intro to philosophy professor who gets up every morning to shake the freshman students' faith. Right. And, and that's, come on. And Most people at, are, have you ever, you've been a freshman in college. You don't care mm-hmm. what he says. And right? COVID, not much. They also say COVID, not much, about the same drop as the past two years as the two previous. That's fine. Yeah. But you're telling me that the fact that churches have pretty well been vacated nationwide, um, I mean, that's obviously hyperbolic. Yeah, but. but that that didn't have an impact. Come but on. if you were answering a poll, Braxton, let mm-hmm. me let me let me play devil's advocate here. I I'm not Literally. the one who read the poll. No, you I did. know, but I'm saying if you were answering this poll and you haven't been in church in the last, you know, however many months due to COVID, you're still going to answer based on the frequency prior to COVID. How much? So I do see church attendance slacking. Um, yes, in fact, let me give you a good research resource on this that actually. I mean, it's it's not recent like the past couple of years, but actually is somewhat recent and projected that something like this would continue to happen or be happening. And that is John S. Dickinson's The Great Evangelical Recession. Now, this is actually a book written um, by a Christian who's working on this, and it's it's really, really good. And it's not painting a like a, a happy, snappy picture. No. Now, the, the data in there is really good to give Christians a sense of urgency Western Christians. I mean, obviously, let's not forget that, as uh, Hervey Schmervy said a while ago, the church is actually on the rise in other parts of the world, but but we, we're we focused on the Western world right here in this. And so uh, he'll give you a sense of urgency if you read that book. It's not a happy read if you're an evangelical. Now, he tries to give solutions in the second half of this book, and I didn't find those to be all that compelling, but that's a good book that you should, that you and I'll put it in the, I'll try to remember to put it in the, uh, in the details later, but that's a good one. Um, but uh, but yeah, what we, but you know, it's it's what we primarily have seen over the past several years is that the 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 main denominations that you think of are are seeing decrease. But that doesn't mean that Christianity is seeing as much of a decrease. That doesn't mean we shouldn't care about it. But as Pritchett said this weekend when we were down in Florida, uh, or this week as we were down in Florida, it actually there's actually a benefit to this which is that people who were just kind of nominal Christians who weren't really like they were just culturally Christian or they're going, you know, they're, they're I'm supposed to go. So I go or whatever yeah. that those people dropping off actually makes for a stronger 
uh, force because you have people, the people that are left over who are still going to church. Very few are more any, likely to actually mean yeah, it. Very few, if any, are still going to church because they feel some sort of cultural obligation to. And I do think that that's actually good news. Now, what I, I don't really. I understand when evangelicals want to harp on regular church attendance because that is a strong indicator of faithfulness among those who identify as Christian, right? Um, but I don't know. We we talk to people, and because he says this publicly, we can we can say this. People like Steve Gregg, who says he'll go to church, but he doesn't. He's not a member of any particular church, right? Mm-hmm. So he kind of goes to church. He does a lot of speaking in churches, and he goes attends various churches in and about California when he's home. Um, so I think there's 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 the there's an argument going on I think within evangelicals where it's we need to make church membership this high uh, this this you know this this uh, this main issue that, that put it in a high position of something we need to hammer right. Regular church attendance is subsumed under hardcore membership. Let's whittle our membership roles. Let's let's trumpet church membership and participation in your particular local body. And then there's these other Christians who are like, so you're in Corinth in the first century. Um, there's scattered households meeting. Does it matter which one you go to? You know. And so do 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 I need to be? on a membership role that my name will remain on 20 years after I'm dead and just go fellowship with that particular church. So that's an interesting conversation. And I don't, I don't really, I don't really go that way. I I like to be in the same church, you know, that I'm going to attend or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't, it's hard for me to get around that. That's the only way to do church too. So I wonder how much that kind of plays in with with I know a lot of uh, of faithful Christians that we engage with on the internet that don't attend the same church regularly. You know, Nikki so. uh, God says, "God bless you, Trinity Radioheads." And as a fan of Radiohead, thank you so much. I like that Trinity Radioheads. You are a fan um, of Radiohead. Uh, okay, I, d- I did want to I did want to get to something from. Uh, New Testament theologist. I don't see where it was now. It's lost to me, but we just skipped over something. He asked, Oh, here we go. He says, Thoughts on cigars. I'm prepping to enjoy one later. Okay. Now, so- let, let, let me answer this first, Bridget. See, the what I've noticed a trend here, and I think, like, I want you to talk a lot because I talk a lot in other videos that you're not in. So I want you to be able to make up for that to some degree. But at the same time, I've also noticed a trend where because I read the questions, it's just set up so that after I get done reading it, you start pontificating. So give me a couple of them. Okay. So the first thing I want to say about this is, uh, so the so I don't think there's anything intrinsically wrong with smoking cigars. The problem with anything that contains uh, addictive substances is that you can abuse that, um, and and it can be habit forming. And of course, you know there are those people that claim that they only smoke one cigarette a week or one cigarette a day or a um but for the most part i don't believe 99% of them okay <laughs> just right. don't, just, just that's what you tell your wife or whatever but i don't i don't believe that you know uh cigars that that you could actually do that 
because for one thing, you don't really have to inhale a cigar to properly enjoy a cigar. And so I think that's possible. That's a, that's a, now some would say, well, yeah, but what about your witness? Because people just kind of know about Christians that they're not supposed to engage in that sort of thing. And I, I don't know that that is as much the case with cigars as it would be with something like cigarettes. So that's my answer to that. Just be careful, Nick. I love you. I don't want your beautiful face to be marred like those people I see on the commercials who are telling us not to smoke because look what happened to them. So don't, don't, I don't want to think of you and have Sarah McLaughlin music, arms of the <laughs> angel playing behind. Just, just be careful. I guess that's actually the animal rescue, isn't it? But anyway, Pritchett, what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I used to work at a tobacco store about, let's see, I'm, I'm 44. So this would have been about 25, 26 years ago um, in Maumel. And I always enjoyed like a Maduro out of the, hum like right out of the humidor. It's like one of my, but I didn't, and I actually smoked cigarettes at the time. And it's a, it's a despicable hat. You should never smoke cigarettes, but I actually did smoke back then. And, you know, Pritchett, I, hold on, hold on. Uh, uh, first of all, Jose Rivera, thank you. But he says, Prime needs lighting, too dark. I need to clearly see that gorgeous mug. So can you move that thing closer, that light? See, Pritchett's responsible for his own lighting. And, you know, that I can be problematic. I this thing on for the first time today. So, But if you want to see a gorgeous mug. Uh, here, that YouTube mug. Here's a gorgeous mug. Okay, so yeah. the point is, don't smoke cigarettes at all. Um Though contrary to what Braxton said, being from Arkansas, I happen to know quite a few people who didn't smoke on a regular basis, but you get a few beers in them and they, they'll light up a cigarette. Um, but they wouldn't smoke most of the time. Um, but I enjoyed an occasional cigar. You don't have to inhale them to enjoy them. That's true, too. Glad you hear the gospel truth. Yeah. Love your channel. Everybody subscribe to his channel. Sorry, go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah. As far as the witness thing, again, I'm old-fashioned. Um, so glad Ralph. Yeah. As an old fashioned guy, I don't care who smokes cigars. I, I really don't. And I don't care who drinks alcohol as long as you're not falling into drunkenness. Right. Um, but can't you do that on your front porch with your close friends instead of, you know, and I'll even go so far as to say, culturally, I don't think there's a stigma to, to smoking a cigar and drinking beer, like you know, for Christians like there used to be in Alabama and places like that. I don't think that's really the thing anymore. But still, Pritchett. do you really have to do that? I mean, do you have to do that? Like, like on your podcast and stuff? I, I know we have friends who do that kind of thing. But seriously, just, I mean, I'm just old fashioned. I'm just like, if it, my answer to all of this stuff is... Do, if I do anything, I'm not going to do it publicly. That that's just that's me. That doesn't have to be you. Um, but it, I think it's better just because you don't need anything to get in the way. Pritchett, quit ticking off half our audience. And I know. Well, no, I'm serious. You don't need things getting in the way. I mean, you can you can save some things for yourself at home and not have to be all. You know. Logical, plausible, probable. Thank you for another super chat says I've stopped going to church, quote unquote, because of blatant hypocrisy or progressivism or legalism. I'm a stronger believer now than ever was. Right. And this is what active. I'm talking about. There well, are more and more people like now, like I said, I'm on the side of I'd rather just go to the same church and be involved in whatever. But I can't there. I don't have a like a like a good. I mean, people will make biblical arguments. They'll take Hebrews out of, you know, uh, but 
I don't have a, a great argument that says, oh, you need to belong to that local congregation, have your name on that roll, and that's that. be faithful to that local church and don't ever go anywhere else. No, that's faith. dumb. But listen, yeah. I, I want to speak now. Logical, plausible, probable, and all who sympathize with what he's just said, which I totally understand. Let, let's have a come to Jesus talk here for a minute, because I, I, I believe in church attendance. I think there's something very valuable about corporately getting together with other believers and uh, worshiping together and fellowshipping together. And so I know that there is. So num- number one, COVID has led to a lot of people kind of falling into the category you're, you're in. And a lot of them are not going back to church now that um, they've gotten their shots or whatever like that. Um, but uh, my, my recommendation, take it or leave it, because you could, I mean, you could, if what you mean is this, and you could theoretically do this, is to get with a group of believers and do church without the quotes, because the church is the body of believers. Well, then that's fine. But I think there's something I really believe that there there is something biblical and something wonderful and um, helpful about partnering with a community of faith that is a recognized as such community of faith like that, that, that we have in our community. And no church is going to be perfect. Uh, I, I definitely wouldn't want you to like if the only churches that existed in your town were progressive churches, that would be a serious problem. Um, blatant hypocrisy happens at Walmart, too. So anywhere you can find a full-blown McDonald's, a stone's throw from the diet pills, there's going to be some hypocrisy. So I would just say that can happen anywhere. Yeah, that Diet Coke <laughs> does not negate the Big Mac and supersized fries you just ordered. So quick, right, right. So, so you're going to find that anywhere. So look, just uh, my, my thoughts would be uh, if you have to choose, go to the one that has some hypocrites because they're everywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, Oh, and you have a good blog article, uh, on Walmart, on Walmart. Yeah. Walmart. I forget what it's called. It's one of the first blog articles. Yeah, I ever it was read. fantastic. But thank you for the super yeah. chat and Godspeed so, and all your stuff. Trinity says we, like I said, we both lean on the side of be a part of a faith, you know, to a local body, but I can't, Whoa. I can't bind anyone's conscience. To thank that. you, Ralph. Ralph. So much. Uh, you, you are a Como. friend of Trinity Radio. We're getting that right. It's Como, right? I, I just said Ralph to avoid the problem, but thank you no, so much. No, but he's given before. We've seen Ralph before. Com- Comey Al, Comey A, Como. Como. I, thank you so, so much. It's just... The, I'm just blessed by this. Wonderful. Uh, uh, and by the 142 people currently watching. Thank you so, so much. I so Dude, appreciate Denise that. says, hi. Howdy, C. Denise. We love you so much. Love all of you. We're, yes, good. and Theology Geek Fitness loves you more than Trinity Radio. Thank you so much for your, for being my only patron. And I'm sorry I'm terrible about giving patron. I'm, that's all coming. I just, you know. Uh, Dr. Gildo, we've only been on for, I don't know, uh 31 minutes and 40 seconds. Um, so anyway, yeah, I've tried preaching against smoking in North Carolina. Believe it or not. No, I used to be with the deacons out there in the church parking I've lot back done in the it. day. I've done it. I've done it. You've preached against smoking to North Carolina. Yes. Okay. Well, I've smoked with North Carolinian deacons probably. Because, Scott Heath but says. But I don't anymore because don't, don't smoke. Come on. My dad died of stage four lung cancer. It's not pretty. It's it time for the, your come to Jesus talk, Pritchett. Yeah. Look into the Pritchett cam. Quit smoking cigarettes. It's very bad. And if you're one of the lucky people who say, oh, I lived in my 90s and I smoked and nothing ever happened. I know old men like that, and it irritates me. Wait, 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 wait. Did you just say if you're one of those people that says, I lived into my 90s and smoked? smoked. Yeah. I don't think anyone who lived into their 90s and smoked is on this stream right now. I could be wrong. No, but, but I've known people like that. Yes. Who, you know, the people who didn't die when my dad did. Uh, but, 
But uh, yeah, a little bit touchy about that. But no, uh, it's it's a horrible, horrible death, and it's tragic and it's avoidable. So don't smoke cigarettes and don't make cigars even a habit. Just enjoy if you're a cigar guy like uh, the New Testament theologist. Enjoy one every month, and you're fine. To the mountains I go. Yeah. Wait a minute. Hold on. Back up, Pritchett. I said what I wanted to say to Nick, and you're free to say whatever you want. But I encourage people to not smoke at all. It's just if you're asking me, am I in sin if I occasionally smoke a cigar? No. No, you're not. But don't smoke, folks, okay? Don't smoke. All right, to the mountains I go. Thank you for that substantial super chat and a profile pic where you are clearly in the mountains. Good point about letting cultural Christians or Christians in name leaving the church. She hangs out in the... um and the faithful Theology remaining fitness group, I believe. I don't think this is on scripture, but I've always been convinced that the faithful are few and far between. I think you're right. I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, out of this 70%. Yeah, that's why I open with they identify as Christian. I don't, I'm not claiming that all 70% of those are actual. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to put a percentage of what I think is, but I'm just saying I, I'm almost certain that all 70% of those who identify that way are not. Jay Hamilton says, I wish I could go to church, but unfortunately I work in a field where I have to work on Sundays. My recommendation would be to try, if you can, to find some small group or something. Most churches or most communities have a church that has small groups that meet throughout the week. And I know that can be awkward and stuff like that, but that could be a good thing if you have an opportunity. And more and more churches have done this, and I encourage more and more to continue doing this if you're not doing it. Saturday night services are great, um, and I see those popping up more and more. Hi, Jenna S. Thank you for showing up. Um, and another logical, plausible, probable. Yeah. Thank you for that super chat. Where two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst. That was my Amen. point. Why I said I'm more active now. Yeah, I, and, and I hope you didn't feel like I was attacking you. No, but you, you were saying that same I, thing. I said Get that. in a yes. group of Christians. Yes. yes. Uh, that's right. That's um, why you know Jesus is here with Braxton and I. We're gathered. He's here. He's here. He, but he would be here if there was only one of me here and oh, one of you. Okay. Um, what's up, non-heathens? How y'all doing? Now, Caruso, you've, you're like new on the scene, right? I think I've seen some people, you know, throwing your channel around. Um, and uh, wait, did I? I've, I'm way back in the stream here, aren't I? And you oh, just my passed goodness. up some super chats, too. Uh, well, I don't just throw up the super chats. I, I uh, know, no, we but, got we got to that one. But I that. am the they come first guy. It's you. Oh, it's true ID. I'm lazy as a mug yeah. with exercise, but Pritchett's gym stuff is dope. Because I'm wearing your shirt in the videos is probably why he's saying that. Y'all go subscribe to Adam Coleman if you haven't. In fact, I mentioned Adam Coleman in True ID Apologetics What when, when I was talking to Brett. I'm, I mean, Chip, uh, the other day. Yeah, we were talking about you, man. I was giving you a plug. Yep. I always plug Adam, though. So, um... Where, where's all the questions, man? We're, we're missing some questions. we got plenty of people in the stream here. Yeah, um, they don't care about us today. That's fine. That's, that's okay. They can talk to each other. Right. But, uh, yeah, so... Um, so did you have anything... Do you have any final thoughts on the actual thing that, about atheists winning? They're not winning. Yeah, they're not winning. And they don't win in the end, But by the way. I will say this. No, of course not. But I will say this. Uh, my final thought on the subject is this. If, as an atheist YouTuber, your goal is, I don't care what else they believe, they can be Cthulhu worshipers or actually take the Flying Spaghetti Monster seriously, as long as they're not Christian, okay, well, maybe there's a decline in that and they're not going to church anymore. Maybe you're happy with that. 
But then when you're going to try to talk to them, you're going to you're going to be butting your head against the wall when you're trying to reason with them when they're giving you this bilge about how the magic rocks take out the the demons from their back pain and all of this. And you're going to be like, what, what, what? So don't celebrate too soon. Okay. So here's a question, a good one. When do you think a church has become too liberal? Go. Um, when they deny anything that you, that has been historically the, the church's tradition in the, well, we'll just say the Apostles, Nicene, uh, Athanasian Creed, the first four councils, um, Nicaea, Ephesus, or Constantinople, Ephesus, and um, Chalcedon. And when there's just, when they're caving into certain social pressures of, you know, like the Apostles' Creed didn't see a need to say anything about the biblical standard of, sexual ethics right but obviously there is one it's been the position and you know our culture is taking pot shots at it and when your church is like nah you know uh that might that's a pretty good sign that that you you can waffle on other stuff as well yeah so i i think that obviously there are um there, there is political liberalism and there's theological liberalism, and those aren't necessarily the same thing, although often theologically liberal folks are going to be politically liberal, too. It's not necessarily the same thing. But, um, I, yeah, I, I think you've covered it pretty well, Pritchett. Yeah, I, I, but I, I will say this. I mean, traditionally and historically, theological liberalism is really mainly contained to basic orthodoxy. It didn't we use some people use theological liberal as if you're, you know, not a Chicago a uh, statement on an errancy guy, or if, you know, if you're an egalitarian or if, you know, you hold to conditional immortality instead of the truth. I mean, so liberal gets thrown around on everything. Um, but I do think that a church has become, I mean, it's an interesting way to put it too liberal. Like how much liberalism can you tolerate? Well, if it comes to basic orthodoxy, none. I think if it comes to secondary and tertiary issues, depending on who's saying liberal, like I don't think those issues are liberal, but like a Southern Baptist might, at least one in North Carolina. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, Old Earth create Braxton's a liberal to Ken Ham because he's yes. an Old Earth creation. So, Theologically, yes. Yeah. Uh, what do you, Maple Border 78 says, what do you think of researchers from Harvard looking at data on nearly 75,000 middle-aged female nurses in the United States and finding those who attend church live 26 to 33% longer? I didn't know about that data and I haven't seen it. So, um, but if that's what was discovered, that is fantastic. And I think that's that. I've makes heard sense. a lot of weird statistics like that, that, you know, I've never because I'm lazy and not interested very much. I hear that and I'm like, yeah, cool. And I t that's probably a problem because I don't know where that, you know, I haven't looked into that. But still, when I hear things like that and that, you know, the Christians do it better, there is research out there that, that show these kinds of things that you live longer, you have better sex and all kinds of other stuff if you believe in Jesus. So repent and believe the gospel. Uh, Josh Harrison says, and I think this is an atheist because he says up here as an atheist, definitely happy about the drop in church attendance. He says, uh, thoughts on BLM, systemic racism, is that too liberal? Well, that would be that there, there are theologically important things involved in this, obviously. But Pritchett, you have thoughts on this. Yeah, um, depends on what they're saying about like, I believe in systemic racism. I believe that Black Lives Matter, the, the phrase is of unimpeachable. Uh, but if you're buying into 
things like uh, we need to destroy the nuclear family from the organization saying this kind of nonsense. And, you know, yeah, that stuff you can't sign. I, I think that that's too liberal uh, by all that. And, of course, I believe that systemic racism exists. I like to also bother uh, my friends in the urban apologetics community by pointing out that it so often occurs in uh, largely Democrat-ran cities with Democrat uh, police chiefs and Democrat mayors and Democrat city councils, and this stuff just keeps cropping up. But we won't talk about that. Uh, but, yeah, the systemic racism in, in banking and in, in funding and housing and all, of course, yeah. And Christians need to actually expose that kind of thing and instead of saying oh because if the second you say systemic racism somebody's gonna say oh well he's into that critical right no i'm not i'm not into that at all um i think that's garbage too but so it depends on what we're talking about and the way we're going to talk about it so systemic racism if your church is standing against systemic racism because you acknowledge that it actually exists in in, in a large number of places across the country Amen to that church. If you're saying that Black Lives Matter, amen to that church. If you're buying into the propaganda nonsense of the organization Black Lives Matter, no. And I'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of don't use the word social justice because those bad people use it. Don't use systemic racism because those bad people use it. Don't use the word woke because the bad people No, I'm not a word surrender guy. I, I don't believe in that. Just state what you believe. And, and go for it. So I want to hear what they believe before I decide whether or not, what do they mean by what they're saying? Yeah, because one of the big problems, one of the, yeah. one of the clever movements here is if we title the organization Black Lives Matter, well, what person who's not a white supremacist or something is going to argue with that, right? right. Of course, Black Lives Matter. But at the same time, when you when you pack a bunch of, of, of stuff into the you know statements, missions, yeah. things like that in underneath that title as the, as organizational principles, then you get to smuggle stuff in, and of right. course, nobody wants to say they're against the idea that Black Lives Matter. And so it's a it's actually a really clever. Uh, Marketing. Yeah, you've got to. You've got to unpack. John McRae has stuff. a great video. So on I'm like, yes, we need to fight systemic racism, and yes, there is white supremacy to be found in America in certain places. But then I'm also going to mock and make fun of the people who can all of a sudden find white supremacy in Rice Krispie treats. That's when I say, shut up, because you're being stupid. So when you find uh, white supremacy as often as some of the most insane charismatics find demon in their flat tires, that's when I'm done with you. Okay, so I'm going to be. What are you saying? And yay and amen to what's true. And we need to stand against that. And then I'm going to say, no, that's too liberal. And I'm going to say, no, that's just stupid. And I'm going to say that to everybody. And I'm going to offend somebody on any side of this at some point. And that's fine. I can live with that. Pigs Can Fly says, who is claiming that atheists win at anything? If atheism is true, then winning ultimately doesn't even exist. Uh, a fair point, because... Winning does seem to imply values like a a move to in a progress towards something, towards some goal. Now, uh, they could say that, well, yeah, it's our subjectively chosen goal, but it's still progress toward winning in terms of that. Um, but yeah, there's not. What's that? Okay. He's he's. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's see what else we got here. What other questions we got? Um, uh, La Trinity Radio. Uh, let's see. Um, okay. What did you think of the Dillahunty versus uh, Trent Horn debate? So I haven't finished it yet. I just started it this morning. And um, from what I saw so far, um, we're seeing we're seeing Trent Horn again. 
uh, or Trent Horn pointing out what many of us have pointed out about Dylan Hunty, and that is that Trent Horn explicitly says this in the debate during the back and forth portion of the debate. He says, look, the fact is, if if you don't give us what would count as a demonstration of, of what would what would convince you that the resurrection happens, then how, how can how can we ever know what that would look like? In other words, we could if we don't have something, then you can just always say, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced, which he does say in the debate. And and of course, I've pointed this out to Dillahunty and others have that. Look, basically, here's the thing. Dillahunty says, well, you know, if um, if it were the case that there was a God, he would know what, conv- what would convince me. I don't even know what would convince me. But if there's a God, he would know. And he should be able to do that for me if he's all powerful and he's God and everything like that. You're right. God could make D- Dillahunty believe. He could make you believe. Um, and he would know what it would take. It just might be that the only way to convince Matt Dillahunty is to remove his free will and deterministically cause him to believe, like like a Calvinist sort of paradigm. And the reason for that is I maintain, so Dillahunty says back to me, are you saying there's no possible world in which I'm a believer? No, there's a possible world in which you're a believer because uh, as far as I can tell, there's nothing inconsistent or contradictory about you becoming a believer. However, um, if God chooses to give man libertarian freedom, then we're not just talking about possible worlds out there. We're talking about feasible worlds. What shakes out when you actually give man libertarian freedom? In those worlds where man has libertarian freedom, it may be that in all of them, Dillahunty has constructed this um, epistemology that he's cre- and constructed in this world such that there nothing can pass the bar. So it may be that short of removing his free will, uh, there's nothing else God could do that would convince Dillahunty or that we could do um, under the leadership of God to convince Dillahunty because it may be that his epistemology disallows for much of anything to count as evidence. Dang it. Pritchett, nobody would notice that if you didn't go I running know, around with it. They probably don't know all the efforts we go through to keep this thing together when we're... I don't want them to know. The countdown's on. I want to look like James Bond here without having without anyone knowing that this Millennium Falcon is falling apart at the seams. I got you. All right, Pritchett. So, uh, what else? What else do you have to say? What else do we got? Uh, I live in a small town. Did you answer that one? Let's see. I live in a small town, and I don't believe in a pre-trib rapture. It's no. hard to attend these churches when it's all they talk about. I'm not sure if I stay local or drive 45 minutes. Well, here's the advice that we give to Calvinists who are in a similar situation or Arminians who are in a situation like that or people on the other side of this thing from you or whatever it is. If the churches in your area are, if if, if you holding a different eschatology than them or in, with any doc, secondary doctrinal issue, if you're holding a different position than them is going to cause you to be unable to focus on other things such that you can worship and be in fellowship in that church without causing division. Because it may be that you have to talk about it, that, that, that you just can't bring yourself not to talk about it. And so as a result, that could cause division on a secondary doctrinal issue. Then I would recommend that you go to a different church. And if that means driving 45 minutes, then um, that's that's what I think you have to do. Yeah. <laughs> so after I stopped being a Calvinist, my my pastor until I moved here was a Cal- uh, John Winters at Reno Baptist Church. Um didn't bother me. My pastor here, uh, when we finally settled on going to One Life, um, he identifies as a Calvinist. I don't care. I like the church. I like the people. 
they they welcome a diversity of thought if you talk to the past. But he's not like a hobby horse about it. So I kind of understand the hobby horse thing. If that gets in the way of you're not actually learning anything else because you're not hearing about anything else and he's not really dwelling on the full counsel uh, of God's word. Yeah, I would say it's 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 worth a drive to go somewhere else. Um, but if you love the church and love the people and you can get past that, stay. Okay. Um, Howard 71 says, um, for Braxton, why couldn't God reverse the effects of Adam and Eve? I guess you mean when they ate of the tree of life? Um, thank you. I think you mean the tree. You may mean something that I'm not catching, but I think you mean because there's two trees in the midst of the garden, the tree of life uh, that they were allowed to eat from and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, and so it was for, it was eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that brought about uh, sin and death. Right. So um, with that, why couldn't God reverse the effects? Well, I think part of the part of what God was doing, people have heard me say this before, but I think part of the reason for the tree, I know a lot of atheists want to say, well, uh, God was just setting them up for failure, right? By putting the tree in the garden. Well, actually, he put these two trees in the garden. I, I think it makes sense that he put these two trees in the garden to make love possible. Why does putting these trees in the garden make love possible? Because um, I believe that the greatest expressions of love come with human freedom, libertarian freedom, the freedom to choose. To choose whether you're going to forego self, something that you could have for your own gratification right now uh, for the good of another, in obedience to God in this case. And so each day, Adam and Eve had the choice. They could eat of the other trees of the garden. They could eat of the tree of life. Or they, and, and, and in that sense, they'd be obeying God. Or they could choose to serve self and eat of the knowledge of good, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they had that freedom because freely choosing not to do that was a demonstration of love to God. It was sacrifice. And that's what the, uh, there's a lot about sacrifice in the Bible because of that. So um, I think that the playing out of that, the playing out of that uh, whole thing, was to uh, allow for free will, ultimately to allow for love. So I, I, I think that, that in, as a result of that, we see a story of choice, and we see this amplified as we move throughout the pages of Scripture. Um, choose you this day who you will serve. Why? Why will you not choose, choose life? Choose to live, you and your descendants. Um, all of this story of choice going throughout the, the pages of history. And in a sense, God doesn't reverse what happened with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but he does redeem what happened there in the end. And we are a part of that amazing story that is playing out throughout human history such that ultimately creation will be redeemed. And, uh, and, 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 but but the, the free choice is so important because, of course, the Bible tells us that what God wants is for us to love him and love our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah, so if you go to Romans chapter 5, you see this played out with... with uh, kind of a, in, it, it, you could say reversal, but it's really it's so much more overwhelming that the one act of disobedience led to condemnation for everyone, right? But then the one act of obedience in Christ resulted in life giving justification for everyone. So in a sense, and you know, how much more uh, uh, grace is than the sin that it was, that that grace uh, of God sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins overcomes that so it in a sense it does uh, there is a reversal but it's it's so much more now because in christ you are a new creature and that's 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 now and then in in the age to come we have that deposit now in christ and that we're going to carry that with us as long as you remain in christ into the new heavens and new earth so in the age to come uh, where all of that has been redeemed restored and renewed so 
in a sense, there is a reversal, but it's, you know, it's kind of a reversal of fortunes, so to speak. And so you want to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you too can be a part of that new creation. Go read Romans 8. Amen. Read Romans 5, 12. Amen. Let's see. You're adorable, Pritchett. Anyway, um, logical, plausible, like probable. cross me or something? Yes. <laughs> okay. That's for you, Benjamin. <laughs> did you guys see empathetic? See, we're swimming the Tiber already. Right? <laughs> did, did you guys see empathetic? Thank you for the super chat again. Yes. You're racking these up. I really appreciate it. Empathetic atheist uh, converted to Islam because of the Kalam argument. And please, please do a review of Raging Atheist Meltdown over it. Didn't know about either one of those things. Don't know who the empathetic atheist is or was. Um, but I will look into that. Thank you so much. I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. That that's and I do think I might do a debate. Re I haven't done a debate review in a long time. I feel like I'd done so many of them that I needed to start focusing on, you know, individual videos again. But I think I may go. I think I may do a debate review of the Trent Horn uh, Dill Hunty debate. What do you think? Uh, of if Lydia, that's something y'all are interested in. What do you think of Lydia McGrew's new book on the Gospel of John? Have not read it. Yeah, I think she's got a new book that I haven't seen yet. Yeah. Um, so do, we don't. My backlog of books to read is enormous so it, it i don't even know that i'll get to that meow says uh, I, i'm just meow, gonna go meow, meow. i'm just gonna go to meow three that's how i'm gonna say it meow three trip meow says um hi gents uh, thank you for the super chat can and hi can you clarify why grim messenger would still apply on b theory p.s unrelated c ben shapiro and heather mcdonald on blm okay so the the grim messenger thing so the Obviously, the Grim Reaper paradox, which I go watch my video on Cirrus the Skeptic, uh, where he's talking about the Kalam. Just type in Cirrus, Braxton Hunter, Kalam, it'll come up. But uh, we go through the Grim Reaper and the Grim Messenger paradox. And I also throw in Robert Coons explaining it too. I just thought I can make it more simple to understand. But, but the reason, the, the, so the Grim Reaper paradox has to do with time, but the Grim Messenger paradox can also apply to time and space, and it doesn't depend on it because you still end up with, if you have an infinite, if you have an infinite backwards, if you have an infinite across space or an infinite backwards on the timeline, even on, even on a B3 of time, you still come up with um, mathematical absurdities. Like which, when, if you look at this one on the timeline, if they are, if they are numbered still, the, the pages that are being passed along, you're still going to end up with nothing can be on uh, any particular page and there should be a number on a particular page. So it doesn't depend on an A theory passing of time, one thing at a time in that sense. So that's the best I can do on this, on this, uh, in, in this format, but I, I really appreciate it. And I would push people to the response I did to service the skeptic yes. on that. All right. Don't you um, love that? We had a video on that. Why haven't you been? No, just well, it was a long time ago, and it right. may have been before they were. Listening. But you still stand behind every bit of that content, right? Yeah, yeah. So we have. He has a video on it. So yeah. Uh, back on the Dillhunty thing, Juan Thompson. I hope I said that right. This is a great point. If you don't know what will convince you, like I don't know what will convince me, but there's a God who would know. If you don't know what will convince you, how do you know there is anything that will convince? That's not you? his point. His point is God is all knowing, so God would know what would convince him. If you don't know what will convince you, how do you know there is anything that will convince you? Well, his argument is, well, God would know. What right, he's is. saying, I don't know what will convince me. 
But if there's a God, he would know right. what would convince me. And we've responded to that. You may have an epistemology such that what God knows is that nothing given your epistemology will convince Right. You. If you've already said he shows up, writes in the sky, has a conversation with me, whatever, I'm not going to be convinced because I could be wrong or whatever. Yeah. So so what that sounds like to me is a claim that no, that there is no God because even if there was, I'd never believe or acknowledge it as God. The only reason why you couldn't be convinced by God, even if he showed up and introduced himself and had a conversation and did everything he could in his power to convince you, is because you don't have a, I lack a belief in God. You believe no God exists, and you just need to be honest about it. Yeah, and, and but but I really do think what Thompson is saying here is, if if you're Matt and you're saying that you don't know what will convince you, well then, how you're but you're claiming that, there must be something that would convince me because and God, God would know that. Yeah. But he's saying, if you don't know what would convince you, how do you know there's anything that would convince you? Yeah. Which is, goes right back into your point. Maybe yeah. God knows that nothing's going to convince right. you. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it, that's just rhetoric. It's, it's not wanting to actually do any serious thinking about it to me. Mm -hmm. Um, because I do like the other guy that we played a clip of. He's like, yeah, if God showed up and he's like, you better do this or, or you're going to hit. Oh, He's going to do it, right? Because there, it, it would be convincing. So, I don't know. Question. What do you guys... Daniel wants to know what we think of the show. I haven't seen it never yet. Never watched it. Although my dad's been been telling me to watch one of those. I don't remember which one it is. No. At Trinity <sighs> Radio, I have three theologians coming on for a game show. See, I'm seeing the questions. Yeah, I'm. I oh, I don't. Right. I don't necessarily want you know. Do, put do, I don't play video games. Digital gnosis. I that's a waste of time. Unless it's unless it's my. Okay. You seem to think every single question needs to be answered. No, I, I'm aware there are trolls on the internet. I, I want to clarify something because I did buy uh, the NES Classic when that came out a few years ago. It's a little bitty box. It has like thirty some odd old school Nintendo games. Now I like to play that every now and then for the nostalgia, but. I don't play. I don't think he's talking about video games, but he might be. But I really don't care. All right, Derek Baylor. Thank you for that super chat. I really appreciate it. Hey, you Derek. guys turned me on to Steve Gregg. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah. And Flowers recently mentioned Gregg's debate with James White. Good I debate. watched the full debate since then. Have you guys seen it? Yes. yes. And I think I think it was a, wasn't it a multi-part debate or did they do it all at once? Because he's done, the one I he think, did with Matt Slick was a multi-part. combined into one listen. Okay, he did one with Matt Slick that was multi-part, and I couldn't remember if the James White one was or not. I watched the full debate since then. Have you guys seen it? If so, how did he do in your opinion? I think he nailed White on Romans. I probably haven't seen it in a couple of years. Yeah, or I think he it. nailed White on but, just about um, everything. But. Was there a new one that I don't know about? Because I No, no, uh, yeah, I it's the same one. Same one when he had the big uh, uh, highway to heaven hair. No, if you yeah. try to get, I mean, if you try to get into the Bible with Steve Gregg, I mean, it's going to be hard to, <laughs> it's going to be hard. Uh, this man has an encyclopedic knowledge of the Bible. Yes. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see what this says. If God knows everything about me, he would do something that would convince me. Him knowing me so much, he know where every hair is placed. Well, from your avatar, you don't have any hair, but, um, Yes, but again, he may know about you that the way you've constructed your epistemology or your way of knowing and investigating the world may be such that you you don't you, you, it disallows for the kind of evidence. Yeah. I don't know you personally, and don't right, and it always comes out to God should show up and and give me the courtesy He hasn't given countless millions of people throughout the history of the church. No, one of the things one of the things that 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 God is about is having people 
go out and preach the gospel and baptizing the nations in the name of the Father and the Son. So God has people for this. You just don't like it. That's all. Well, I don't know what he thinks about it. Well, well Lucas, not he, the proverbial you. Yeah. Right. Lucas Hondros, uh, thank you for that super thank chat you. so much. That means awesome. so much to us. We do appreciate You know, and those, those $5, those help. They add up to get us at least some glue to try to finally once and for all nail these things to the wall right yeah it was the five-part debate he's talking yeah. about yeah i know that okay. one um uh, benjamin benjamin handelman i get the impression braxton takes all my theology geek fitness questions as being a troll i wonder why i do not i gave you a hard time shame. once last week shame. but i love you benjamin i love shame. you it's and shame you hush pritchett you inspire me i am motivated by you Thank you for $5. Now be gone. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, go away. You're not a troll. No. Uh, let's, let's see. Trinity Radio, video games are a waste of time, but you bought an NES classic. Your actions betray your beliefs. Okay. Video games that require me to use more than two buttons on the controller along with the, that's a waste of my time. I'm not saying it's a waste of everyone's time. It's a waste of my time. I didn't say... I'm not saying all video games of all time is a waste of everyone's time. I was just saying I don't play video games generally, but I do get that little thing out every like once every couple months because it's fun. And I wanted to introduce my kids to it. But once it got past that, like I, I even got the um, the Super Nintendo version of that little thing, the classic uh, whatever, that the Super Nintendo one. It's got four buttons on it. I'm, I'm lost. So Mario Kart's not in part of my... So this is someone taking issue with what I've said about the Dillahunty thing. Okay. If it is the case that someone's epistemology prevents them from learning of God and God exists, the first thing God could do is demonstrate how the epistemology is incorrect somewhere, right? Yes, and there have been many apologists that God has used to do that for Dillahunty. Right. Secondly, yes, he could do that, but the problem is I don't think necessarily he could do that with some people without removing their free will. Right. And determining that they change their epistemology. Because Dillahunty Because his epistemology won't allow for a correction of his epistemology. Right. From God, even. If God was talking to him, he thinks somehow he's being deceived or whatever excuses he brings up to think that he could be mistaken that he's actually communicating with God or God's trying to reach him in the sky or whatever else. So, no. They're, they're, that's a dead end. How can a God, you're certain, is not God because you have other issues that's try to convince you of your epistemology if you're, you're you're not sitting there thinking that you're having a conversation with God. And if God is only trying to convince you of the flaws of your epistemology, well, Braxton Hunter did that too, and he was just like, nah, 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 during their debate, and he's been that way ever since. And Braxton is pretty smart too. Not as smart as God, but Braxton has gone out of his way to demonstrate the problem in countless videos on this channel with that kind of epistemology. But at the same time, it's just, nah, 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 that's all we get. So, okay. If we're tired of it, imagine God and how he feels. He gets tired of it. You know. Thank you for the super chat trips, meow. Yeah. Um, shame on me for not having watched that Grim Messenger video. I will. What do you think about Rob Coons' argument for Thomistic simplicity? Not aware of it. If sound, would it uh, adversely affect your experience of God? Not aware of it. I'm sorry. I know that's not satisfying, and you gave us $10, which means you deserve to get an answer. Unfortunately, I can't give you one that I don't have. Yet. That's right. But you will. Um, if someone is getting your argument consistently wrong and won't acknowledge your actual argument, what is the best way to convince them they don't understand? Just keep reasoning? No. Well, the problem may You're be that it. they don't care to get your argument right. right. It may be that they genuinely don't understand it. In that case, yes, you could look for new ways to illustrate to them what you're trying to say. 
But if, if it is the case that they don't want to get your argument right and you have to make judgment calls like that, then move on. Yeah, if Pray you've for explained them, it present the gospel and move on. Yeah, if you if you've explained it sufficiently and they're just still not getting it or it's pro likely due to they're intentionally not getting it. I see that happen a whole lot so that they can still uh, burn all the straw men that they want to burn when you're not around. And they, they, they say you get this argument. I see this happen in in online uh, YouTube video responses back and forth and all of this. And some people just don't want to get it. Fine. Leave it alone. There are people who want to suck the time away from your life to derail you from doing important things by arguing you about stuff like this when they have no intention of or, being convinced or understanding. What there's a time and place to shake off the dust or Amen. hit them with Bibles. <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> yes. Uh, metaphorically, not physically. Nah, that's, that's Jim Amberg. Thank you for another $20. Yes. Just finished my taxes. Here's your cut. Oh, now we're Caesar. <laughs> Jim, listen. Thank you, bud. I'm not your church. I mean, in a sense, I am, but this is not your. But yeah. but thank you. Like I don't require this from you. I don't. But thank you for feeling very, that very our channel is valuable and that you would do and that. Congratulations for, for navigating the United States tax code. That's yeah, a, that's quite an accomplishment. So yeah. So um, well, should we should we call it, Pritchett? It looks like we're at the end. It, yeah, I mean, we, we're, we're at the end of the chat. We caught up. And so now we have to talk until the next Super Chat comes up so we stay. No, just kidding. Kidding. We don't expect a dime from anyone, and we're thankful every time we get it. But yeah, I think we're... A uh, friend there. stated, skepticism makes atheism inevitable. How would you respond? Well, I think that skepticism often makes atheism... Um, so, so I've said this before, and I'm not the first to say it. J.P. Moreland was one of the first people I heard say it. The problem is when you do something like what Matt Dillahunty says, where he says, I want to believe as many that he got from Hume. I want to believe as hum many true things as, as I can as, as possible and as few false things as possible. The way that you then have to go about that is, um, in general, with putting skepticism aside for a minute, is you could um, do what some people do, which is believe everything they ever hear, in which case you'll believe all the true things, but you'll also believe a lot of false things. Or you could say, I'm not going to believe anything I ever hear, in which case you won't believe any of the false things, high five, but you also won't believe any of the true things. Well, since it is just as dangerous not to believe certain true things as it is to believe certain false things, the best thing to do is not lean hard skepticism. The best thing to do is to, is, is to just evaluate the evidence and, and don't lean hard on this skepticism. The, that the problem with skepticism, the way I see it played out with internet atheists is that what inevitably tends to happen well, not inevitably, but what I've seen happen most of the time is you get to choose what you'd like to be skeptical about. Yes. And so I, and I choose to be highly skeptical of that claim because I'm skeptical of a lot of things. So you'd have to, I, you'd have to define what, what, Skept what kind of skepticism? Because I'm skeptical that skepticism makes atheism inevitable. So that's kind of a defeater of that statement as stated. But okay, Derek, I would hang out with you. Look, Braxton and I, um, we, we'd love to hang out with everybody. Unfortunately, we can't travel the globe. But what we can do is we can come to anyone's church that invites us and is willing to cover our expenses because we don't ask for money other than just the generosity of a love offering wherever we go for however long we're there. So if your church can can cover our gas or plane tickets if you're too far away for us to drive. We're happy to go to any church in the country or the world. Just pay for our expenses. He's saying that's why he gives super yeah. chat so that you won't make him do that. You'll just go. 
Well, yeah, but that was a way for me to say that again. Oh, okay. But, but yeah, I mean, I might come over to your house for dinner. Is John the only New Testament author arguing that Christ is God? No. no. <laughs> the book of Mark has Jesus doing all kinds of things that only Yahweh does. Um, in fact, my, my, uh, Michael Icona has got a great little thing about this. Where he's like in Mark chapter one, in Mark chapter two, in Mark chapter three. It's like all these things that only Yahweh does. Right. So no. Um, Doctor Hunter, do you prefer philosophy to biblical studies? Hold on. Can I ask? Can I ask you a question so you keep talking? I, I appreciate that people Done. care to hear us talking. Yes. Um, That's a good uh, question from Computer uh, Thieves. Well, where's Where's that at? What, I lost uh, it. Oh, right do there. you prefer philosophy to biblical, biblical studies? Biblical studies is an academic discipline, so recognize yeah. that before you answer the question. Because that's not the same question as do you prefer philosophy to the Bible? Well, I if I if I could actually spend all my time doing one thing, like I mean, obviously not all my time, but but all of the time that I have to read and study, studying one thing, it would just be the Bible. It would just be the Bible. The problem is there's the atheist, these atheists out there who are who are giving arguments why um, Christianity is false or God doesn't exist or uh, we have no reason to believe that God exists. And so I end up studying philosophy. And it turns out that God has given me a love for doing that. But what some people may not know is that um, several years ago, and Steve Gregg was a big part of this, I actually thought that I had made apologetics and philosophy and philosophy of religion kind of an idol. And I was doing it too much. So what I decided I would do was I would just, and Pritchett knows this, aside from what I had to do in terms of teaching here at Trinity, I just put apologetics to the side and I just studied the Bible for about three years, just went through the Bible trying to get a better handle on things in the Bible that I needed to shore up because that's far more important than than um, than just studying philosophy of religion and, and philosophy and apologetics, stuff like that. So I think that it's more important to study the Bible and I enjoy studying the Bible more, um, but I do enjoy studying philosophy. And uh, so if I could go get a degree right now on anything I wanted, it'd probably be biblical studies. Yeah, here's here's the wonderful thing about the distribution of labor. So I prefer the chances when I get to read philosophy over biblical studies. Biblical studies is a huge part of my day job. So I read in excess biblical studies for him. Part of his day job, uh, he reads in excess a lot of philosophical materials. But the beauty about a distribution of labor is when we have time to fit in the things that we like for him, biblical studies, and for me, uh, philosophy, I can go to him and say, Braxton, what do I need to read that, and skip the rest of the, that stuff? And he says, Pritchett, what do I need to read in biblical studies so that I can skip all that other stuff that you had to wait through that you didn't like? And we, we can work that way. And I think that that's a phenomenal thing. And that's why I always encourage people whenever you get into apologetics groups in your church and all this kind of stuff, uh, embrace the distribution of labor. What you're, what you're good at or what you're interested in or what's pertaining to your vocation or whatever else, read into that so that other people don't have to. And then you can give them the one out of 10 books that they should read if, because they, they want that too. And they can give you the one out of 10 books that you should read because you want what they're reading. So uh, that's a way to do it. So it's always good to have friends who know more about one thing than you do, because he knows a lot more about philosophy than I do. I probably like philosophy more than he does. He probably likes biblical studies more than I do. It's what happens when you spend a whole lot of time doing the thing and as part of your work, maybe. But find people that are interested and good and well-read in one area so they can tell you what you need to read because you like that area too and and work uh, off each other that way and it's very beneficial to have people like that in your life and that's why i'm thankful that braxton hunter is a big part of my life well amen brother so i don't have to read all the dumb philosophy you read and i just read the best stuff benjamin handelman thank you for that super chat I'm excited to wear my Pritchett Blather t-shirt this Sunday going to get a picture in it with Mike Winger are you yes. going to Mike Winger's church this Sunday 
Oh, I hope so. And I hope you do get that picture. Yeah. And I hope you share it with us in the Trinity Radio Forum, yes, that would be our awesome. Facebook group. Um, let's see what else. Uh, wow. Whoa, Jason Miles is back again. You know, again. we were talking about how much we love what? Jason Miles more than everyone else who watches Trinity No, Radio. stop. Stop we were talking, that. No, seriously, though, we were talking about how much we love Jason Miles because we've never, we don't know who this man is, like, on a <laughs> no, personal level. No. But, uh, and he's he's obviously not uh, in, in the United States because he's given us this weird, funny money. And we were talking about just how much he means to us and how much we appreciate Jason Miles. Over, you know, uh, every, no, I'm just kidding. Not like we appreciate everybody the same. But Jason Miles got specific attention uh we were talking on our trip about how much we just love and appreciate Jason miles for essentially giving us and like all our super chats give us, but he gives us means to do things in production wise, except for when our camera breaks, but it's things like that that really get us. If you go watch Trinity radio from what, two, three years ago, it's not even close to the same production value, whether it's the live stream. Except today, because yeah. we're using the onboard cam, you know, computer camera. Yeah, but Mac. even that is like better than the webcam that I use in my office that people make fun of me for. That's true. Because this is a super high quality uh, Mac something or other that, that I think is super awesome that we were able to afford because of all the super chats, including large chunks of it coming from our dear friend, Jason miles. We love you. Hope to meet you one day. BIPOC Christian. Hope I'm saying that right. Says I'm no longer a transgender, transracial lesbian. Now the new cool politically correct term is BIPOC. So I'm now a BIPOC Christian. Keep it up. Well, I appreciate that super chat. I just, I just want you to know because you, it's, it's, you have the right to know about the people that you watch and are listening to, and especially contributing money to our views on uh, human sexuality and all those things. We do have a video on that, and I just, I just want you to be aware of our views on that. Um, we're, we, we welcome you here, but I, j I just want you to be aware of our views on that before you praise us too much. There's something there. No, uh, there's something you're missing about this. What this handle. Now the cool politically correct term. There's something facetious. No, because there. this person used to have the handle transgender, transracial. Right, there's something lesbian. facetious about. Oh, you think they're being facetious? I think so. Okay. All right. And look, I, I want to hold on. It might I, just be too clever for you, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, by pop. But hold up. I think hold there's up. Something clever I want to apologize. I'm going to make an apology here. Okay. I apologize for indirectly referring to someone in the chat as a troll. Please forgive me for that. Okay. Don't say anything. Just leave it. Just let it stand. I, I really am. I'm genuinely sorry. I don't like to say directly insulting things. Um, and, and, um, so I ask your forgiveness. Okay. Is Let's it, move on. No, don't no. Okay. <laughs> I'm the Pritchett whisperer. Uh, angel WVM says, do you have a favorite book that helps with correctly understanding the Bible text? Pritchett? Absolutely. Uh, at different levels, okay? So uh, one of my all-time favorite books, just to help you understand the biblical text, is easily accessible to everybody, is Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart's How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. I know it's been out for a long time. Uh, I think it's, what, got four or five editions to it now. I read it long ago. I've skimmed the newer editions. Phenomenal book that's easily accessible to everyone. That is a great book, okay? But if you want, like, something a little bit more heady. Uh, I would say I like um, Lemke. 
uh, et al. Uh, and crew, uh, they did this uh, an introduction to biblical hermeneutics, or uh, no, introduction to biblical interpretation, and that's on its second edition. Lemke's one of the authors. That's one of my favorites. Uh, the Hermeneutical Spiral is one of my favorites by Grant Osborne. And uh, Exploring the Textures of Texts by Vernon K. Robbins, which, careful, he's not like a conservative evangelical, but I found his work uh, on the socio-rhetorical way of interpreting the Bible to be extremely helpful. So those are some of the books off the top of my head that I think are, are great. Um, other books that I would get to help you orient yourself with ancient literature, I think uh, um, John Walton's uh, Ancient Near East and Old Testament book is phenomenal. Phenomenal. And I think that uh, David De Silva's uh, Honor, Patronage, Kinship, and Purity is a must-read. So uh, go back and you know, rewind the video and write those down whenever it becomes available because those are books. Um, the Walton book and the De Silva book and How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee are three that you should just start with. Get those three and you'll 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 have a a much much broader uh, and, 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 and engaging way of uh, approaching the biblical text than you've ever had prior to reading those books. Some Whoever uh, put digital gnosis, whoever banned or whatever the term is for digital gnosis, uh, if there's a way for you to unblock them or whatever, um, I'm going to ask you to do that now. Um, just, uh, you know, I, I, not that I don't appreciate you trying to watch for things that might be... Um, well, problematic were, in the chat. No, we that, that I'm kind of at your discretion. I won't miss the digital gnosis. Who cares? He'll just whine about it on Twitter. No, no, no. Stop. I okay. told you to stop. Okay. Come bring him back in if there's a way. I don't even know the way. If there's a way, bring him back in because he just messaged me and and I'm let him back in. Uh, thank you. Not that I didn't I want you to continue doing things that will help the quality of the show whoever banned him. So I'm not getting on to you at all. But but just this once or this time, let let this guy back in. All right, um, one more uh, chance then. Stop it, Pritchett. Stop it. Um, let's Why see. Why won't you debate me, Braxton? No, this stop, every- stop. Okay, stop. Because yeah, stop. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Trips meow says the show Evil on Netflix is like X Files but better. A failed priest who is still a devout believer teams up with skeptical scientists to investigate claims of supernatural and miraculous. What? Awesome. Evil? Yeah, no, I've seen it on there. It is like an updated X-Files type thing. It's okay. got a Mullard and Scully thing on it, too. I've been wanting to watch it, but I haven't had the chance. Um, uh, there was something else I wanted to get to, but I'm not seeing it now. Oh, oh, where was it? Uh, you get that uh, meow, meow, meow? Yeah, yeah, that's what okay. I just did. Okay. I'm looking for... Um, Baylor. Here he goes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Baylor prime has given me literally dozens of books and works to read. Thank you. But what would Brax recommend like books and works? Every Christian should read. All right. Books. Every Christian should read. Number one, in my opinion, I hope that you'll read FF Bruce's commentary on the gospel of John. It's written uh, for the everyday reader, but I've, it's one of the few books. It may be the only book I've ever gotten to the, like towards the end of and literally cried. Sitting in a Starbucks, getting to the end of it, um, and and literally cried. So uh, I definitely encourage that one. Um, what other books should every Christian read? Uh, I think I, this is going to seem like a really popular one that people would expect me to say, but I think the Screw Tape Letters is great because even though it is a, a fictional sort of explanation of what the you, spiritual warfare might be like, I think it gives you a way of thinking about it re, in a way that, yeah, you know, this, I mean, it's obviously fictional, but at the same time, there's some realistic aspect to it. 
Um, and what, on that note, uh, mere Christianity is one that I think every Christian should read. Um, what else? What else have you heard me? I'm looking at my bookshelf. What else have you heard me go off about? Well, uh, I know that, uh, you often go off about, um, the same De Silva book that I've got. Yes, you, you that's right. Patriots. You, you actually tell people, you actually recommend uh, the history of apologetics. You think that that gives you a good swath of apologetics and church history. So I know that you really like yeah. Dulles's book. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then that uh, church history book that's so popular, I can't ever remember it. But there, what's that church history book that everybody, it, it's not the church history book I would want to read now. You talk about the story of Christianity by Justo Gonzalez? No, no. This is a this is a more popular. I mean, seminaries use it, but it's undergrad stuff. But it's like a one volume. I can bust out my Kindle. Talk about something for a second, Pritchett. Okay, well, I can keep going on book recommendations. What every Christian should read. Well, I've I've listed some because I think how you understand the Bible is very important. How you how you read the Bible, and so the, the hermeneutic books I think should be foundational and be taught in churches. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, I think that mere Christianity is is something that every Christian should read. Um, it's a great way to frame the moral argument for God's existence. I, so I'm, I'm happy that I think that every Christian should probably read Pilgrim's Progress, which is on my list. Uh, I think every Christian should read Dante's Inferno. I think every Christian should read, um, let's see, The Institutes of the Christian Religion by John Calvin. Agree or not, it's, you ought to read it. Um, I think every Christian should read Classic Christianity by Thomas Oden. Oh, here, here we go. I've, I've got it. Um, yeah, he's giving you stuff you'll never read. I'm, I'm going to give you stuff you will <laughs> read. Church History in Plain Language by Bruce Shelley. See, I've, I've, I've taken and listened to about five church history courses and read a couple of church history books. So the stuff that's in here does not go into the level of detail that, that, I, that I would like it to. But to give you a good spread on church history, which is very important— um, I think that's a good one, and it's very popular now. I mean, a lot of people use it. Bruce Shelley, uh, Church History in Plain Language. But I just opened up my Kindle, and then I ran into some other things. Uh, be careful, because I don't affirm everything this person affirms. But I think, uh, uh, well, and I lost it now, but um, Greg Boyd's book on doubt. What is it? Uh, Benefit, Benefit of the of doubt. doubt. Benefit of the Doubt's a really good one. Um, and if you're also interested in books on doubt in search of a confident faith by JP Moreland is not talked about a lot, but it's great in terms of a more academic level book that, that I think is great is Jesus and the eyewitnesses by Richard Bauckham. Um, also I would recommend Jesus outside the new Testament. Um, uh, what's the guy's name? I don't have it in front of me, but that that's one that I would recommend. Um, I don't know. What do you want? Oh, I think everyone should have at their disposal the IVP Bible background commentary for at least the New Testament, but it'd be great if you had the, the old and the New Testament. And then, uh, um, Walton and Matthews and somebody else did the Old Testament, both worth having. Yep. Yeah. So there's some stuff for you. Um, if you want to get into other stuff like apologetic type material, obviously I have a lot. I think that every there. Christian, and it won't take you that long because it's a short book, every Christian really should read Letters to Ignorantia. Well, thank you. Every Christian should read Counterculture by David Platt. Didn't expect me to say that, did you, Calvinists? Ha <laughs> ha. But everyone should, everyone, no, should everyone should read Letters of Ignorantia before that, that one. And it's, it's, it, it really is. It's the best thing you've ever written. It's one of the most important books, I think, for our... Because I think you've tapped into at least the West, if not... As, specifically the U.S. context when it comes to well, thank you. that. So I really think that, that 
that book is probably the most underrated book. And I hope that somebody uh, world famous picks up that book and, and then gives it the shout from the rooftops that it deserves because we're not famous enough to say every Christian must read this book. But every Christian should read that book that's alive right now. Will it hold up 100 years from now? Probably not. But it's great right now. Digital Gnosis. I'm back. The timeout ran out. But I forgive you. It's not your fault. I'm not a troll, though. Don't say a word. I'm not. I s- don't. I said half I don't, of what I want to say about this. Okay. Also, I I'll would... say the other half somewhere. Hidden in Plain View is also a good one by Lydia McGrew. But if, you, but, uh, you know, so, but if you're going to read... But you're talking about every Christian church. No, these are just... You're like if you're into apologetics. No, I don't think that. Are you aware of the undesigned coincidences arguments and yes. stuff? Yes. Am I, I think aware? Th- no, I've never heard of it in my life. Well, I, I didn't mean it like that. I know I know you're aware, but I'm just saying, I, I I think that'd be... Yeah, Time and Eternity. I actually saw it on my bookshelf over there, and I thought about mentioning it, but I didn't mention Time and Eternity for the same reason that Pritchett just said, is it's it's not really something that every Everyone Christian necessarily needs to read, yeah. but obviously it's fantastic. Um, yeah, so there you go. But, Derek, every book that I hey, listed... Hey, yeah. Is, Pilgrim's Progress. No is, joke. Okay, but, yeah. <laughs> so, every book that I... And that big list that you can find at Trinity Radio Primetime Discussion Forum, every Christian should read every book on that list, in my opinion. But I also think that even if you're not a Christian, non-Christians should read at least 90... Even if they don't want to read the early church father stuff like they went there and some of the later writings, they should still at least read Calvin and Augustine and Aquinas but and, and maybe Athanasius. But but every human being should read what I we've, what is dubbed the Western canon, pretty much. So and he, every Christian should read that plus the Christian books. that I Tyler Vela, the freed thinker, says everyone should read Wesley and Calvin because they're both great. And you're gonna, <laughs> and, but he also says everyone should read Braxty Poo's novels. Have you read them? Because I found out, I don't know if he wants me to say this, but I'm going to say it, that he is also uh, a novelist. Hmm. And I didn't know that. I didn't but, know that either. But I want to know, did you read them? Don't tell me what you thought if you didn't think they were good. But if you thought they were good, tell everyone. Yeah, I, I've only read, I've still only read the first one. And well, I, Derek, that's the good thing about uh, video is you'll be able to go back and, and if you need to slow it down and get details, you can. Notice that he asked both of us, but then he said he wrote down every book I mentioned. Just All right, Pritchett. So I'm not interested in going on your channel, Digital Gnosis, okay? Um, but he asks, Jonathan, would you be interested in talking to me on my channel, Jonathan, rather than on your own? No. Free thinker. Uh, yeah, Numa apologist says they sent a super chat. I'm so sorry. Yeah, uh, I'm so I have a habit of missing them. Five dollars. Dylan Hunty holds the belief that the shroud is fake, not just lack of. Wait, he holds the belief that the shroud is fake, not just lack of belief. Thought I should let you know. Also, I changed my name. I was a E Numa. I didn't know what his views on the shroud were. Yeah. Um, but uh, cool. Thank I'm, you for telling. I'm, me. I'm. I don't know what to think about that. We're still deep diving. And then, then there's Vela's super chat about Dillahunty. What? Hold on. Uh, what? Go down a little bit. A little well, bit wait, more. I just saw something I wanted to. Okay, go on. There's a Dillahunty. That's from. Uh, oh, here we go. Dillahunty last night. Uh, history isn't science. Science is just knowledge. Yet we have historical knowledge. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe something came up about the Shroud in their debate because I haven't finished it yet. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, yeah, someone said that when they hear Calvinism, they think of Calvin and Hobbes. And Tyler, you won't, you won't just take this tongue in cheek, okay? Don't get upset. But and I know you won't. But um, I, I actually said in my debate with another Calvinist, Joe Myra, I said something like, um, "It seems like you're engaging in what I call Calvin ball." I don't know if anyone knows this, but in Calvin and Hobbes, like in the comic strip, this really is the case. Calvin made up a ball game where he gets to change the rules of the game as you play the game so that it benefits him. And I said, I think you're engaging in Calvin Ball here tonight. Yeah. Just just play it, okay? Just play it. To right. answer your question, Nick, you could come on Trinity Radio Extra because I, 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 my last video on Trinity Radio Extra was a list of just recommendations for for getting books in general areas of Christian study that, that, that I think anyone could read. But I do want to have you on. I'm going to have other people on, and we're going to discuss books that are uh, for Specifically, if you want to be a New Testament nerd, what are your top 10 books? If you want to be an Old Testament nerd, I'm going to have Chris Day say on for that. Say, I'm going to have uh, Chris Featherstone, if you're interested in psychology, what, what do they need to read? Uh, so I'm going to have a bunch of people on. So you're welcome to do that on, on Trinity Radio Extra, unless you just want a video for your own channel. Thank you so much, Logical, Plausible, Probable, for another Super Chat. And thank you for getting the letters audiobook. I don't have audiobooks of the others. Um, but you did that one. Yeah, I should put my links always in the description or a link to my author page on Amazon. But that's the way you could do it. But you could go to Amazon. That is a good. I like it that you made the audiobook. If mm -hmm. you should have got someone with a voice like Glenn Peoples or not his crazy pin, a link in his pin Gleeples. Yeah, not pin Gleeples voice, but somebody with with either a, a New Zealand or a British accent to read that book. It would have been much better. Than so, Nashvilleian. Uh, so. Um, the other, uh, an easy way to give you, to get you there, uh, logical, plausible, probable is to go to braxtonhunter.com or you can go to trinityradio.org. It's the same site and click on the resources tab. It has all my books listed there. Um, to, there, there are several there, but, but thank you for that. I hope you know, that's the only book I have that in no way touches on apologetic stuff. <laughs> but, uh, so if that's what you're looking for, sorry, but, uh, but it's also my favorite book I've written. So, um, Oh, they were uh, insulting somebody's you know, intelligence on Nathan's channel. Um, so they were insulting your intelligence. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, uh, good. He didn't take any offense. Let me, let me just, let me just say this right now because I actually have people who are friends of the channel who are asking this too, and we have talked about this so many multiple times. Just let me talk about this, Bridget. Please don't say anything. I'm just going to say this. We constantly get asked, "Why don't you go on atheist channels?" Uh, when someone asks you to go on their channel. There are a lot of things that play into that. One is we get asked by all kinds of people. Sometimes we're asked, and if we don't respond immediately, it's, oh, you're scared. And that tells me this is not the kind of person whose channel I want to go on to. Um, sometimes there's just been things in, that per in how that person has interacted with me or others that tell me I don't really want to go on that channel. And also, I actually, uh, I actually work at a school with a board of regents who isn't necessarily excited for me just to go on every atheist channel and talk to them. I have had interactions with atheists. I've had debates with atheists. I've, um, I have, yeah, a debate. More debates I have a debate up. coming this right. year with atheists. And uh, there's just, there's just a lot, a lot of reasons for that, but I'm not going to just so you know, going forward, I'm not going to answer this in every live stream every time. Uh, if you want to say, Oh, they're just Braxton Pritchard are just scared. That's fine. You can say that. Okay. That's not the case, but that's fine. Not that it couldn't be the case. There might be some atheist. I'd be scared to go on their channel, uh, but I'm just, just giving you that. All right. And I don't care to ever talk about that anymore. I've answered it. Okay. 
Um, you should watch my review of your tin. Oh, Danny, Danny, Danny. Let me tell you something. If you're the Danny, I think I'm thinking of, I saw something with you on it. And, uh, I, I, I thought you were really sharp and I think you might've been in the logical, plausible, probable thing. Oh, was he part of what you were talking to me about the other day? Maybe. And, and I think you, you gave the answer that I gave about why I could be wrong, completely wrong, but I think you gave the answer that I give about why classical apologists argue, give theistic arguments before going to resurrection case, because if we're looking for inference to the best explanation with the resurrection, then it's, it's a lot better of an explanation that God raised Jesus from the dead. If you've shown a God exists to raise Jesus from the dead. And so I think, I, and I, and I noticed that you, you said somewhere, you said you did do a couple of videos on us. So I went looking for your channel. I couldn't find your channel. Um, so, but, uh, someone said someone, I don't know, someone responded that it was, they gave some kind of a title for it, like phil philosophy talks or phil talks. I went looking for it. I couldn't find it. So feel free if it'll let you to put that in the chat for me. Thanks for being here. And thanks for the super chat. Ooh, we got another super chat. We're not just answering. Super, I hope, you know, we're not just answering super chats. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, why did Peter, James and John have a difficult time at first believing in Jesus resurrection when they had witnessed Jesus transfiguration? They've been told that he will take his life up again. Mind you. So, yeah. So, eschatological expectations for a resurrection at the midpoint in the history, right? Because remember, these folks abandoned him at the cross, you know? It was, well, uh, not so much John, but... Um, so that was a shocker because no one was expecting a resurrection in the middle of history, so to speak. So, you know, if you're programmed to think that, okay, we side with the Pharisees, we're, we believe that there's going to be this general resurrection for God's people, you know. Uh, Jesus even was talking about that, you know, all throughout John's gospel. He's going to raise us. But, you know, it, it's it's a paradigm shift for first century Jews. So I kind of get that a little bit of a, huh? You know, this, this, is, this is amazing. And I even sympathize with Thomas even. It's like, Standing there talking, yeah, I need to, I need to put my hands in that because it's just paradigm shift. So, mm -hmm. anything to add? Uh, one thing that I would like to add to that that I think is is just fantastic is it. You see, you see, uh, we've talked about this before, Pritchett, but you see Peter um, cowering, you know, um, uh, you know, and and denying Christ right after, you know, right, right before the crucifixion. But then if you go to Acts, like, um, and and of course in Acts we see some of that or maybe we see some hints of that. But then by the time Peter is out preaching, he's willing to go to jail. And then when he gets out of jail, he's willing to keep preaching right away. Yeah. Now, just before that, you have the instance with Ananias and Sapphira where they lied to the Holy Spirit and were killed for it. And so I posited that, yes, I actually think being filled with the Holy Spirit is what was why Peter is able to go out and boldly proclaim where he was cowering before. Um, it also might have helped that, uh, you know, Ananias and Sapphira died, and perhaps Peter's thinking, okay, I don't know if maybe that's just how things go now if you don't do the right <laughs> thing, right? So I'm going to do the right. But anyway, uh, I think it's impressive to see how after Pentecost we see a change yeah. uh, to that effect. Okay, so super uh, super chat from Jamie Russell. Thank you, Jamie Russell. 
And uh, it was plausible, logical, plausible, probable, and Phil Talk Danny's channel. Okay. I think the problem with Phil Talk was I had it as two separate words instead of one word. But welcome all. Um, and uh, Numa, $5. Hey, Braxton, why don't you host debates like Capturing Christianity like the Pints of Crimes? We, we, we have done a couple, and we, we have actually up. one coming. Is it this month? Is it? It may be this month. I can't wait to tell you about you it. You moderated a debate between Steve Gregg and Chris, Chris Day Tate. on the question of, of who is Israel, right? When and then there was a debatey discussion between Chris Date and Keith Sherlin yeah. um, on our channel. And then we've got, is, is conditional immortality or annihilationism heresy? That's what's coming up. That's what, and I get to be the moderator for that one. Yep, Bridget's going to moderate. Yeah. So we're going to do more of that. And you're right, we need to do more debates like that. Um, but we want to bring, we don't want to just bring. Thank you, logical, you know, plausible, to, probable. We like our debates to be uh, of a certain caliber because we are somewhat affiliated with the seminary. We do like to showcase our professors in these. And we had two professors of our seminary square off. And the last one, we have one squaring off against somebody uh, that I'm not familiar with yet. It should be a very interesting debate uh, on that. I'm curious as the argument on the affirmative that, that if you. Uh, believe in conditional immortality, your salvation is questionable or, or whatever. I'll, I'm, I'm curious to hear the arguments of that. I, I'm not on that position, but I'm, I want to hear what they have to say. That's, it's an important conversation, I think. So looking forward to that. Um, right. What? <laughs> Pritchett's right? Of course I was. I can spot my people. Right, I I know who my people are. Okay, really, I know who I <laughs> Yes. Well, I'm kind of like uh, back to Steve Gregg when Steve Gregg had the debate on uh, Seventh Day Adventism during the Q and A. Someone asked, "Did Adam and Eve have uh, belly buttons? Navels? Yeah, belly buttons." And Steve Gregg, uh, the other guy, like took it as a joke. Steve Gregg was like, "Well, no, because a literal Adam and Eve." would not have been born of a woman and therefore would not have had an umbilical cord cut. And so they wouldn't have had navels. And when I, <laughs> last time he was here, I was like, I just love you because you, it's hilarious because you treated that like a legit, like, like it wasn't a joke. And he said, well, there have been a lot of questions that I thought were jokes and the person was serious. <laughs> so I just assume now they're always serious. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I knew what was going on there. Man. Okay. Yeah. Um, I yeah I know my I I know that all right I know it when I see it. Hey, look at that! Two more hours, two more hours, and seven seven no, seven. Gonna, Thank you not, so so much. I would love to. I would love to. But I also understand the people in our audience. Well, how many are left? About one hundred and twenty some odd that that are actually hoping we get off soon so they can go pop the popcorn and get the drinks and take a restroom break because Mike Winger comes on at yep, three o'clock. This is your chance. Go uh, get everything sorted out for Mike Winger. At, we're not going to step on my, I mean, we defer to winger. He, he is the big kahuna in all of this internet Christianity YouTube. We love Mike winger and we don't want to continue to run our mouths and prattle on about this stuff while people would rather listen to him anyway, including Braxton Hunter and I, we like to listen to Mike. Yes. I have discussed divine hiddenness. I don't know if you have a specific show dedicated to that, but, but I have discussed it. Uh, That's a good topic for you to get back into your mini videos. Type Divine Hiddenness and Trinity Radio or Divine Hiddenness and Braxton Hunter and see if you get anything. If not, maybe we'll cover it on next week's show. Who knows? But folks, we love you all. Remember, enjoyed this. the atheists, they're not winning. 
They're not. They seem to be, if you ask some people. But they're not. And we'll see you next time on Trinity Radio.